Good morning and happy Father's Day, Burlington Baptist Church. It's great to have you all in the house today and those joining us online. It's just uh, a super Sunday and we hope that you have a wonderful day um, today, spending it with your family or whatever your plans are. Um, as we get ready for worship today, just a couple of reminders for the in-house people. We have wonderful guest services out in the back. They'll be able to point you in any direction that you might need. Don't hesitate to let us know. If you're online, now's a, re- a great time to start sharing with someone that you know doesn't uh, usually tune in maybe and allow them to be a part of our service today. And make sure that if you have any prayer requests or comments that you're putting those in the service today as well. Just a couple of things in the way of announcements. Um, we're kind of pushing towards July the 12th to be a week in which our church might be able to move back into some of our small groups and Bible study groups. So make sure that you keep um, uh, updated on all the information that we're going to be giving out. I know it comes out to you and you might miss it. If you've got any questions, don't hesitate to call us in the office and we'll make sure that you understand exactly what the schedule is going to be. And also, um, just a reminder to you for the weeks on, if you go out there to sign up, you might not see that sign up and that's okay because we've been having enough room in the sanctuary and we have plenty of room for you to come and be a part of the worship service in person. So if you want to be a part of that, definitely come and join us. But as we get ready for worship today, I just ask that we take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and not just because it's another uh, beautiful Sunday that you've blessed us with, an opportunity for us to be in your house today, but it also because it brings a special mind on Father's Day. And Father, we lift up those special men um, who have been blessed in their lives with families that look to them. And Father, you know every situation, you know everything that we're going through in our lives, and I especially ask for your guidance for the men of our uh, world, especially in these times, is there's a lot of chaos that's going on. And Father, just watch over them and provide them the leadership and the direction so they can lead in the right way. And Father, as we join together in worship today, I just ask that you bless our time together. Bless our friends and family that are watching online today. We know that there's been uh, medical things going through. We celebrate the victories, and we ask you to continue to watch over those people that have ongoing treatments. And Father, as uh, we get ready for worship, be with the praise band. Just let the songs that they lead us with just lead us to a a time of worship uh, of you because of who you are. And Father, be with Harold as he brings the message in just a few moments as that word touches our heart and your spirit moves through this place. Can't think of a better place to be on a Father's Day, Father, than be in your house. And we look forward to this time together. We pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It is great to see everybody in here, and uh, good morning to you guys watching at home. Uh, we want you to stand up with us on this Father's Day, and we're gonna we're gonna pep it up a little bit. Don't don't touch anybody, but you can wave hi and you can say hi to somebody and yell at them and just uh, tell them you're happy to be in the Lord's house this morning. One. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in 
like we always do. We're not going to pass the offering plate. Uh, the boxes are outside to your right and in front of the door out here. And the clear boxes back there are the Dollar Club. And for you guys at home, thank you so much uh, for your giving and your continual giving and your continual giving to the Dollar Club. Um, it is getting used and it is and it's blessing people. So thank you so much for that. And let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to just uh, come into your house and and listen to some songs about you and sing songs about you, Lord, and listen to your word. And uh, thank you for the, what it means to us and that book that you gave us that just uh, is a guideline for our lives. Lord, we just thank you so much for that. We want to lift up our prayer requests, those who are sick and going through treatment or beginning treatment or just continuing those things. Lord, we just want to lift them up to you and ask you for some healing and some comfort. And Lord, just bless the offering and the hands that give it. And we just thank you so much that we're able to just use that to just glorify your kingdom and spread the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We stand and lift up. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
have a seat. Amen. If you want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 10 this morning, we're going to talk about that road to revival, kind of part two from last week. And let me say happy Father's Day. And uh, man, we usually have baby dedication on Father's Day, and we aren't able to do that this year, but hopefully we can next year. And uh, But we are thankful for the men of the church and are excited about God working in their lives. Last week we looked at uh, Nehemiah chapter 9 and the people were hearing the word of God. They were confessing their sins. Last week we were reminded of the graciousness of God in dealing with our sins of the past. 
Uh, Romans 2, 4 says God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And we saw that happen in chapter 9, and I hope we have such receptive hearts this morning. And so I'm going to read uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38. It's, it's in chapter 9, but in the Hebrew Bible, it's actually part of chapter 10, and I, I think it fits better with chapter 10. And, and so if you want to turn uh, to chapter 9, verse 38, I got a question before we read. What did the daddy tomato say to the baby tomato? Catch up. Okay, sorry, that's the best I could come up with this, this week. Because of all this, we made a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed documents are the names of our princesses, our Levites, and our priests. And Father, we pray today that you would speak through your word. And uh, Lord, your people got serious about their commitment to you and to your word. And uh, they, they signed their names. They sealed their commitment. They, they were all in. And I pray this morning that as your people, we would be all in. And uh, we pray for those that are outside of a relationship with Christ, that they would turn from their sins and believe upon Christ. And not only that, that they would commit their lives to living uh, in your service, that they would be committed to the church and serving in the church and uh, making the gospel known. And so, Holy Spirit, use these words in this ancient book to change our lives. And we'll give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been asking for the Lord to send revival, and we've been talking about revival. And, and so I want to share three components or ingredients for revival. The first thing that we've noticed the last several weeks was that the people had a concern for the Scriptures. The concern for the Scriptures. If you remember back in chapter 8, Ezra was, taught, was uh, called to bring out the book of the law of Moses. That was the Scriptures that they had, the first five books uh, of our Bible. And he brought it out. The people stood. They heard. Uh, the Levites helped explain and teach them. And then uh, in chapter 8, verse 16, when they heard it, it says that, so the people went out and, and they went out and did what the Word told them to do. And when we decide that we want a revival from God, it must be centered upon the Word of God. Uh, Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. Uh, the Word goes out and accomplishes its purposes. The Bible says that we're sanctified by the Word. There is power in the Word. Now, we've talked about four components or actions that we can take in regards to the Word. And, and I believe it's important that as believers that we're doing all four of these things. First, reading the Word. And I'm here, I'm talking about daily feasting on God's Word. And so let me just ask you, are you daily in the Word of God? Secondly is the hearing of God's Word. Now, we don't have to be legalistic here, but I believe that if the Word is important to you, you'll make every effort to be sitting under the Word of God as often as you can. Now, let me say this. You don't have to be running on all cylinders to find a way to be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And that preaching and teaching of God's Word is more available to us than ever before. It's on podcast and on TV and radio and on the Internet and in, in the church. And so be hearing the Word of God. A third thing is to be teaching the Word of God. And surely some of you have learned enough to teach somebody else. And so stop being selfish and lazy. Listen, some of you are going to go to, to the grave never having invested the Word of God in somebody else. And I just want to say Jesus deserves better. 
You get in the Word, you learn the Word, and then you teach it to someone else. And then fourthly, obeying the Word of God. James says, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Listen, we don't have to have all this figured out before we start doing what we know to do. There's enough that we understand that we are to be loving one another, sharing the gospel, praying, giving, encouraging, not showing partiality, being gentle and humble, guarding our tongues, loving our spouses, dealing with anger and lust and unforgiveness, making no provisions for the flesh. There is plenty of things that we know that we're to be doing, and so we are to be obeying the Word. And what we find in Nehemiah's day is that when they heard the Word, they were ready to start obeying it. And, uh, and so I want to ask you, are you ready to obey God's Word? So not only was there a great concern for the Scriptures, but secondly, there was confession of sin. And we saw that last week in chapter 9. This word is living and active, and it convicts us of sin. Listen, the more I read, the, the big, bigger sinner that I realize that I am. The more I read God's Word, the more selfish I realize I am, the more greedy that I am, and, and the list goes on. Often, I realize, and I know what would most glorify God, and I don't do it. And the Word reveals that to me. It reveals our sins. The Israelites, they heard the word, they realized that they had missed the mark, and so they confessed their sins. And that's what we're to do. And uh, verse back to chapter 9, verse 2, they, they separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquity of their fathers. They stood up in their place, verse 3, and they read from the book of the law for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of the day they made confession, and they worshiped the Lord their God. Now, so many people in the church today are so flippant about their sins. And some of you act like, why bother? Uh, my sins are no big deal. Listen, what our churches, one of the reasons I think our churches don't see revival today is we're so proud that we won't confess our sins. Listen, our culture and our country, they, they might not be concerned about the moral free fall, but if you're born again, the Bible says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and, and we, we have a new heart, and we live a, a new way of living. And so what does confession look like anyway? What, it just looks like this. It, 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 we come to, to God's Word, and we see what it says, and we say, God, your ways are perfect and right, and, and I have done it my way, and, and I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. And God, in your mercy, will you forgive me? And will you cover my sins afresh by the blood of your Son? my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm just thinking back to, to last week, what would happen if we spent three hours reading the Word and three hours on our knees before God confessing our sins? And so what we find here is the Israelites are at a, a point where they are serious about their desire to live in obedience to the Word of God. I mean, if you want to have revival, you've got to get to that point where you're serious about living in obedience to, to the Word of God. And then they took the next step. And, and what we pick up this morning in verse 38 is, is they made a covenant to change. And so verse 38, uh, because of all this, because of God's goodness that we talked about last week, and because of His grace, in spite of their rebellion, because of God's goodness to them, we make a firm covenant, a promise in writing on the sealed documents are the names of our princesses, our Levites, and our priests. And so before we go any further, let's consider the characteristics of the covenant. 
And the first thing we notice when we get to chapter 10 is, is just the support of the people of God. The first 27 verses there is a bunch of names, and I'm not there going to try to read all those. Uh, but, but the people display a, a strong sense of support and responsibility, and, and they're willing to put their name on it, if you will. And it starts with Nehemiah. He's the first name mentioned there, Nehemiah the governor. And then there are 84 persons listed in this list. Verses 2 through 8 are priests. Verses 9 through 13 are the Levites. Verses 14 through 27 are the leaders or the chiefs of the, of the different peoples that are there. And in verse 28, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who uh, have separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding. Uh, verse 29, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, a servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his rules and his statutes. And so all of them were in. They're all in. And they start making these commitments. They, they begin in verse 30. And, and if you just look down through there, let me just point out the word we. We will not give our daughters. Verse 31, we will not buy uh, them on the Sabbath day and we will forgo the crops on the seventh year verse 32 we also uh, verse 34 we the priest verse 35 we obligate ourselves and so we could just walk through this passage and we see we 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 we're in this together nothing in this covenant said so and so had to do this but it's the whole people who are saying we are going to obey the word of God and listen, if the leaders didn't obey the word of God, then you couldn't expect others to. And so it started with Nehemiah, who was the governor, the leader here. And then it's the priest, and it's the Levites, and it's the gatekeepers, and the singers, and the temple servants, and the people of the land, the wives, the sons, the daughters. We're in this together. Now, that's such a, a problem for Christians today is this word commitment. Uh, we don't want to be committed to anything except maybe the pursuit of our happiness. Uh, I, you know, I was just looking up a, a while ago. Uh, we, we have a church covenant, and uh, I, I can share with you some of the things that's in the church covenant. Uh, walk together in Christian love to sustain worship and ordinances, and we'll contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministries, the expense of the church, the relief of the poor, the spread of the gospel. Uh, we'll maintain private and, and family devotions. We'll seek the salvation of our acquaintances. Uh, we'll watch over one another in brotherly love. We'll remember each other in prayer. We'll aid each other in sickness and distress. We'll be slow to take offense. We'll be ready for reconciliation. It's that kind of language that's in our covenant. And yet we have over a thousand people on our row. And many of them have ignored the covenant. I mean, I've been here for uh, about a year. I've never seen a thousand people here. Uh, and yet in the covenant it says we'll gather together and we'll worship together and we'll, we'll support the work and we'll give and we'll meet needs and we'll pray for one another. As a matter of fact, I was thinking as I was working on this sermon that in my first church, I, I suggested having members sign a covenant. And you would have thought that I was asking them to sign over the deed to their house. And they're like, there's no way. What are you trying to get us to do? See, part of the problem in our churches today is we have absolutely no expectations of our members and we get exactly what we expect. Some of you wouldn't like old Nehemiah. He wasn't afraid to get in your business. And so he comes to town and he says, get off the couch and build the wall and then commit yourselves to God and put it in writing. 
And I'll just say this. The Lord didn't make any type of partial commitment to us. He gave everything. Uh, and he expects us to do the same. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so there is a commitment for those of us who are called by his name. Now, I've been pastoring 20 years, and it's always concerned me how little commitment people have in regards to being a member of a church. And, and there are people that some people want to quote the Constitution, and yet we have the church covenant that talks about our faithfulness, and it seems like everybody wants to ignore that. And so not only do we see the support of the people of God, but then we notice the submission to the Word of God. And so, again, we start chapter 10 with this list of folks, Nehemiah, the leaders, the priests, the, the noble families who are committing themselves to this covenant. And then notice again in, in uh, verse 28 that says they separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God. And so they came out of the world and they committed themselves to the laws of God. And verse 29 says an oath to walk in God's laws. And so what we find here is they are submitting to the word of God. Verse 29, to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord and his rules and his statutes. And so when we read that, we realize that revival is coming because the people want to do it God's way. And uh, uh, they'd been doing it their way for long enough, and it had taken them into captivity. And, uh, and now they're ready to submit to God and live under the authority of His Word. And it really boils down to this. Is this God's Word, or is this just some words of man? And if it's God, and, and if God has spoken to us through the Bible, and I believe He has, and, and this church has, has confessed that He has, then we are to submit ourselves to what He says. Not what we want, or not what we think, or not what our opinion is. Uh, if we want revival, we have to do it God's way. And so if the Bible says, do not lie, then we don't lie. If the Bible says pay your taxes, then we pay our taxes. If the Bible says not to commit adultery, we, we don't commit adultery. If the Bible says not to show partiality, we, we deal with our issues of racism. If the Bible says go and share the gospel, then we go. If the Bible says make nations, make disciples of all nations, then, then we commit to making disciples. If, if the Bible says to, to help those in need, then we give to support that. If the Bible says to pray about everything, then, then we make prayer a priority. If the Bible says to honor marriage, then we do all that we can to honor marriage. If the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, then we do the best that we can to figure out how we can come together to safely worship God. We are to submit ourselves to the Word of God in everything. And so I want to ask you, are you living under submission to the Word of God? Or maybe I should ask, what areas uh, are you doing things your way instead of God's way? And so those are the characteristics of the covenant. Let's look at the commitments in the covenant. The first one has to do with sanctity of marriage. Notice verse 30. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. And so they begin with the family and with the sanctity of marriage. And they make a promise here not to intermarry with the peoples of the lands around them. Now, this had absolutely nothing to do with prejudice. It's not racial, but it's religious. If you turn back to Exodus chapter 34, 
Uh, let me just read verse 12 through 16. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. He, he's talking about when you get to the promised land, which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram. For you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. In other words, God didn't want them to be led astray into worshiping the pagan gods. And so we see that Ezra deals with this. Malachi the prophet deals with this. And, uh, and so you'll say, well, what does that mean for us? Well, God has some instructions for us. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so I would say, especially to young ladies and young men, God wants you to marry a believer. And I can't find any exceptions to that. You find someone who loves the Lord and don't settle for anything less. Now, I know I've heard it, and Danny's heard it, and Jeff's heard it, and if you're a pastor, you've heard it. As long as we love each other, that's all that matters. Well, I'm not telling you that your marriage is destined to fail, but I don't see how your marriage could enjoy the blessings of God if you ignore His instructions. And if you choose to do that, you are deliberately disobeying His Word. And so let's do this. Let's honor marriage. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. And so are we doing all that we can to honor marriage? The second commitment of this covenant was in regards to the keeping of the Sabbath. You see, God created in six days, and on the seventh day He rested, and He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath, or the seventh day, by keeping it holy. And so God uh, called Israel to abstain from really all commercial activities on the seventh day, and even more than that, to observe a, a seventh-year Sabbath of the land. And basically it meant that they would work the land for six years, and on the seventh year they let the, the land rest. And what we find is that for years they had failed to keep the Sabbath, not only on the seventh day, but the seventh year. And, and now they decide, we're going to keep it. Now, again, we come to the, the New Testament, the, we come to our day, and as Christians, we're not under any particular Sabbath laws of the Old Testament. Galatians 4.10 says that we've been delivered from keeping special days and months and seasons and years. But listen, church, we've been given a new day, and it's called the Lord's Day. It's the day of resurrection. It's the day that the Lord was raised from the, the grave. And, and I believe that we can most honor God by setting that day aside is a day for joyful worship of the Lord. And so I, I believe that Sunday is a day for worship, for Christian service, witness, rest. And so we ought to kind of separate a day. I mean, maybe you have to work on Sunday. We'll separate a day to, to worship and for spiritual growth and service and, and make it the Lord's day. One pastor suggested, if you want to grow in the Christian life, determine to come to church more than once a week, witness to your friends, ask your pastor for a job, and then get busy serving Jesus. That's pretty good advice if you want to grow. The third area, the third commitment was in regards to their faithful support of God's work and worship. 
beginning in verse 32 is, is some information about what they call the temple tax. And, uh, and so verse 32, we also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. And so they're going to support the work of the, the temple, the temple work. Verse 33, for the showbread, the regular grain offerings, the regular burnt offerings, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy thanks, the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. You see, if the, the nation of Israel was going to be in right relationship with God, the, the, the priest had to carry out the, the, the ministry that God has given them. Now, a lot's changed. We, we don't uh, have to provide showbread and animals and grains and other offerings or materials in order to worship God. Uh, but, but we do have expenses related to the work of ministry. Uh, we have salaries and utilities, and we, we have needs around us, lots of needs. We want to meet those. We have missionaries on the field. Uh, we try to support the work of our missionaries. We, we give a over 11% of, of your giving to, to what we call the cooperative program that, that goes to support some 3,700 missionaries on the field. Matter of fact, just today I got a message from a pastor in India, and uh, he was just telling me that the churches there have been shut down since March 23rd, and, and they have church planners and pastors, and they, they live on the very minimum, and uh, he was just telling me they were struggling for, for food, and, and uh, you know, he was trying to get some relief for them, and, and I certainly want to support that, but, but, but so th th there's financial needs for the work of ministry. Verse 35 talks about uh, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. And, uh, and so this is just talking about they, they would bring what we, they call their first fruits. The Jews were taught to give to God the first and the best. And I believe that's a good example for us to, to follow. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And what would happen is they would bring the first fruits, the, the very first pickings of the crop, and they would store it at the temple and provide it for the temple servants. And, and it was just a way to ensure that the, the temple servants had provisions and, and uh, their needs were met. And so let me ask you this. Do you give God from your first fruits or from your leftovers? And if you're giving Him from your leftovers, a lot of times there's nothing left over to give Him. Uh, he desires to first fruits. And then at the end of verse 37, there's a, the, the giving of the tithes. Bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all of our towns where we labor. And uh, there's a discussion about the tithes and the usage of the tithe. And uh, the Jews were to bring the, the tithe, uh, a tenth, the tithe means tenth, of their produce every year for the support of the Levites, the leaders in the temple. And uh, if you study the Old Testament, the they were actually required to bring three different tithes. Now, we come to the New Testament, and I don't see an express command requiring people to tithe. Uh, what we find in 1 Corinthians 16 is, is this call for proportional giving. As the Lord prospers us, as the Lord blesses us, then we give to the work. But I always say this, if the people of the Old Testament, under the law, would bring three tithes, how much more should we, who we don't live under the old covenant, but the new covenant, and that's a covenant of grace, how much more should we give? Now, as you would expect, uh, pastors don't get asked much about giving. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't think we should give 10%. I, I think we should give 100%. I think all that we have is the Lord's. 
And so uh, a better question than how much do I have to give is, is maybe how much should I keep? And so I'd say the tithe ought to be the minimum. And uh, I think this, I think we should give cheerfully, not under compulsion, not legalistically. I, I don't think I ought to stand up here and make you feel guilty about your giving. Uh, but if we really want to be like Jesus, uh, we'd probably give a lot more than what we do. And uh, Jesus wasn't concerned about worldly wealth. He, he said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The foxes have hoes and the birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And, and he said to this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, church, you got to hear this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he said, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And I, and I think Paul really hit on the, the, the key to all this. In 2 Corinthians 8, 5, it says, the people first gave themselves to God. And when we first give ourselves to God, then we'll want to give ourselves to others in his name. And, uh, and so here's what I want to say this morning in regards to chapter 10. It, it really isn't a matter of what we think about the formal covenant and the specific commitments that uh, the Jews made. The truth is, if you're a Christian, you have covenanted, you have promised to really to repent of your sins, to turn from your ways, and to turn to Christ, and in faith to trust Him, and to follow Him, and to serve Him as your Lord. We have baptism, which is a sort of covenant, and it's a covenant that's saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want the world to know that I have followed Jesus. And listen, when you join a church, you enter a covenant with the church to come together to worship, to serve, to give, to pray, to support one another, to love one another, to forgive one another. That, that's all part of being a member of the church. But really, all of that is worthless if you're not committed to it. And so let me ask you this morning as we prepare to close, how is your commitment to Christ and His church? And listen, here's what we have this morning. We have the scriptures, and they're available for us. We're invited to confess our sins. Uh, we're invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, by turning from our sins and believing upon Jesus. We're invited to come and be a part of Christ's church. And, and, and we are invited to give our lives in service to our Lord. And let me just say, there's no higher calling. And so the bottom line is you just have to decide on your level of commitment to Christ. And listen, he's proven his commitment to us. Uh, he proved that on the cross where he gave his life uh, to save us from our sins. And once and for all, he, he's proved that he's all in and loving us. And we have to decide how much we want to love and be committed to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word and, and just... Uh, showing us a picture of what it means to just be all in in, in regards to, to living submitted to your word. And uh, the, the people of Israel had experienced the heartache of doing it their way. And, and, uh, and what, a, what a time of rejoicing for them to say, listen, we're, we're committed to doing it your way. And uh, sealing it with their names and, and saying we're committed to this because we know that it's from you. I pray that we would have such a commitment today saying, uh, Lord, you saved us and you've given us instructions and we want to live our lives in submission to you. Uh, work that in our hearts, Lord, we pray. 
And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And really for the invitation this morning is just, if there's a commitment that you made to, you need to make to Christ, we invite you to do that. And you can do that at home or uh, you can email me at hbest at burlingtonbaptist.org or you can put a comment in the section. I'd love to follow up with you. Uh, we want to invite you uh, to, into a relationship with Christ. And uh, He died for your sins. He invites you to turn from those sins and, and come in faith to Him and receive His forgiveness and His eternal life. Uh, to be a part of His church, and, and to live your life for Him. And so if you need to make some type of commitment, you leave us a comment, and we'll follow up with you. And uh, you respond this morning to, to the Word of God. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord.
joining us this morning and again a special uh, happy father's day to our men i i think that dreamy whip will give you some ice cream if you show up over there today and and uh tell them and so uh don't miss out on that uh just go over there and make an order and uh, we appreciate them and their support and uh, they're a good neighbor and we like those kind of neighbors and uh so anyway thank you for joining us this morning i'll let danny close us in prayer uh, just like always, we are going to continue all of our online stuff, so watch Studio 3. Hopefully you caught the one this past Friday. Um, we, have a, uh, we had a lady that was um, a friend of ours, daughter, who is uh, hearing impaired, and she was signing some of the songs for us. It was pretty good. Uh, if you didn't catch it, go back and watch it. And uh, we've got our podcast, like always. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, let me know. We will work you in somehow, to Harold's dismay, but we will do it so you can ask him a bunch of questions. Uh, other than that, dollar club boxes are on your way out. And uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you next week. But let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to just come into your house and listen to your word and, and just, uh, just listen to just what you have planned for us, Lord, and, and that anything that we can do, you've seen it before. Lord, and you're, you're true to your word, and you forgive us when we repent from our sin, and we just love you so much, and thank you for that, um, especially me, because a lot of times I need it. And Lord, just go with us this week as we head out and back to work, and with all of the things going on in the world, we just uh, ask that, uh, that we be good examples of what we're supposed to do, Lord, not get angry and not get upset, and, and just be um, caring like we're supposed to be. Lord, take care of each other, and just continue to bless us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.